Ah, spring. Nothing like the world progressing towards summer to inspire your own progress. That's what life's all about, in your career, relationships, and your finances. Let's talk about that last one. With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, it's easy to start building credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments with no annual fees or interest. So your weekly grocery run can feel even more productive, and that morning coffee can taste like a little victory. And if your credit scores grow, so could your opportunities to get lower rates on loans, like for a new ride or finally having a home to call your own. Sounds like progress, right? With Chime's Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at chime.com build. That's chime.com build. Chime feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to chime.com disclosures for details. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're tuned into an all-new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. Bradley Sal, the new co-host of Talk of Champions, is coming up here shortly, as is guest Tutan Reyes, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, 10-year NFL vet, before we jump into it, let me tell you about my bookie. Winning season returns at my bookie. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting live sports all season long. Rejoice! The NFL has returned. That means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. Get in on the action. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions, TOC, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play, designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Bet with the best this NFL season for your chance to win big. Use promo code TOC, TOC, and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at MyBookie. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. It's up, it's up, it's up, it's up. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Bradley Sal former Ole Miss offensive lineman. His second show is the new co-host of Talk of Champions. If you haven't checked it out already, Brian Scott Rippey released his first debut edition of Grip It and Rip It. It's on the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate of 247 Sports, the website that I write for. If you haven't already subscribed, rate, review, Talk of Champions, and iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. Doesn't matter what you say, as long as it's five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Today's guest former Ole Miss offensive lineman Tutan Reyes coming up on the Modern Woman phone line. But, Brad, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. Thanks for having me back. Show two. Let's keep it going. The hay is in the barn. Ole Miss in Florida, Saturday, 11 a.m. Central Time on ESPN. You've been a part of so many game weeks. You've been a part of so many fall camps. 
when you get to this point a couple of days out, what's there left to talk about? Yeah, there's there's really not much to say at this point. I mean, um, you know, you finish up on little things, and at, at this point, you got to kind of you got to kind of let let them out there, let them play, and see what um, see what they're made of. You know, it's a, you'll you'll get you'll get more to talk about after this week. But yeah, leading up to this one, that they they per, over prepared for this game. Um, and yeah, you'll you have more to talk about after the game. But but right now, there's not much more to say. It's a weird place for Ole Miss to be in because Ole Miss lost spring football first year under Lane Kiffin. We don't know what they're going to look like. We weren't out there at practice. But something interesting that Lane Kiffin talked about on Wednesday, we knew this already, that Jeff Levy was going to call the plays, but he confirmed it. And a couple of days out, knowing that football is real on Saturday, it makes it that much more interesting. And when you look back at the UCF offense with Jeff Levy, who's now the offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach at Ole Miss, they ran a spread ISO offense. Lane said, I committed to hiring a system and letting my offensive coordinator run it when I took this job. And Jeff Levy, I would assume, then, is going to be following the UCF playbook of a spread ISO that they've been running for the last three, four years. What is that if a football person or a casual football person doesn't know? Yeah, I mean, I would have to look at the scheme myself. Everything has a different um, different term or whatever. But if I had to guess, you know, it's going to be a lot, a lot of, obviously a lot of spread out stuff and um, – they're, they're going to try to spread the field, field out to open up running lanes on top of, you know, kind of a quicker up-tempo offense. I'll have to see the scheme to kind of see what um, what I categorize it as. But but just just knowing Coach Levy, that's the one coach I've spent a little bit of time with since he's been here. Um, that excites me, man. I mean, the, the time that I've spent with him, he is he knows his stuff, and he's been around some really good offenses. So just talking some ball with him, I can see why Lane would let him call the offense. I mean, he's he's extremely smart. And um, he's also married to Art Browse's daughter, so he, um, he he's coming from a pretty good offensive coaching tree. I did not know that you had gotten to know Jeff Levy pretty good. In talking to him, Ole Miss fans don't really know what kind of dude is Jeff Levy. Yeah, he's a great guy. I mean, he's he's all football. I mean, he's he he knows ball really well. He was he was brought up around it. He's he was at Baylor all that time. Um, he knows offense really well, and and I, I I feel really every time I've talked to him, I feel really good about having him call the plays. I I think at, on that staff, Coach Levy is he if all goes the way I think it could go with him, he's he's a next he's head coach material all day. So I mean I think within you know if, if all goes well here, Coach Levy's a he's a head coach. So I, I would feel really comfortable with him calling the plays and um, and him running the show. He's he, he's awesome. When you talk to guys like that. Do you talk about concepts and football philosophy? Yeah, absolutely. Most of those guys don't like to talk about it unless they're talking to a or get too deep into it unless they're talking to a player or somebody who would kind of get the concept. But you know, my, for me, when I talk to guys like that, I, I like to talk about it just to kind of see what what they think is good or, or different techniques and stuff. So, so yeah, and a couple of times we've kind of touched on some some philosophy and, and how and how he views things. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see. I, I know they, they think really highly of their offense, and they're very protective of it um, with, with letting people around it. So they um, that he believes in his stuff, and I think it's I think just looking at the pass, it's going to work pretty well as soon as he gets the personnel there that, that he needs. Good old boy. Like, just good like good old, like, football coach, like, all ball. Like, you know, he just you – t- you can tell he sits at home and he's, he's thinking to play. Like, he's – he wants to find a way to, to, to score points. I mean, he's – yeah, he's a he's – a, He's all ball. He's, he's exactly what you would want in, in a coach. Well, Kiffin said he didn't know what to expect on Saturday, which isn't surprising because, again, so much time was lost in the spring. They did get 
over a month of fall camp, but this is a first-year staff, and they didn't get their players back on campus till the summer. So strength and conditioning, all that stuff got cut short and then resumed when it was time to get ready for a season. So everybody, not just us, but coaches, players, they're going into this blind, and I don't know what to expect. No one knows what to expect. The best-case scenario for Ole Miss is obviously winning the game. But assuming that they aren't able to pull the upset, what is the second best case scenario for them? What do you need to see from them to feel encouraged that this is a team that can compete over the course of a 10-game All-SEC schedule? I think going out there and, um, you know, obviously you show up and if if we were to get dominated, I'd be a little concerned. But if we go out there and we keep this thing, you know, we keep battling back and forth and and show that, you know, our our scheme looks better, our our defense is – is playing hard. I, I think that that would be something to really look at and um, that would kind of tell the story. Now we show up and it's, you know, a lopsided game. I think it could be a little bit concerning. Um, but, I, but I think if you go out there and show some fight and, and you go out there and compete hard versus what's supposed to be a top five team, um, I, I think you'd feel pretty good about, about the rest of the schedule coming up. I want to play a little trending or ending as we lead into Ole Miss, Florida on Saturday. But before I do, I haven't asked you this. What do you think of the powder blues? Do you wish you would have been able to wear them? Um, you know what? I'm not. I'm not a, a huge fan of switching up uniforms. I, I know that that people have their argument on it. Hey, you know this helps out recruiting. This that, and the other. But I'm I'm a total old school. Like, you know, I like the I like the, the navy helmets with the with the navy jersey or the red jersey and the and the old silver pants. Actually, I don't even like the fact that they're matte gray. I used to like back when they were silver. Um, but yeah, I like the old school Miss uniform. Not not a huge fan of the powder blues, but you know, whatever gets recruits in there and whatever is like the new cool thing, I'll, I'll roll with it. Well, Kiffin said that the players have been extremely grateful and excited. Recruits have had an overwhelmingly positive response to it. At the end of the day, that's kind of what it's about: what the players and what the recruits want if they're happy. I just find it hilarious that you, being the biggest Ole Miss baseball guy I know, can probably love Ole Miss baseball's powder blues. But can't get on board with football. What? Now you know what? Actually, actually, I, I, I'm on the opposite side of that. I wish Ole Miss would wear the pinstripes wow. more often. I wish Ole Miss would wear the pinstripes more often. The, the the all pinstripe. That's that to me is my favorite uniform. Ole Miss baseball uniform, and we we need to go back to wearing those more. The Power Blues are okay. I mean, they're 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 growing on me. But those pinstripe uniforms, you can't beat those. The thing about the Powder Blues is they're unique to Ole Miss. Ole Miss is one of the very few schools, if the only school, of national significance that can wear these powder blues and actually pull them off and actually be consistent with their colors and their brand. So I'm all about it. I dig it. I've been wanting a powder blue uniform, so I dig them. I've never really talked to anyone that is so staunchly anti-powder blue. This is new to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not anti-powder blue, but uh, I'm. I like... I like the old. I mean, I like the old traditional. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of other fans like that, and I'm sure, and I don't mind if they wear them. But I mean, I don't, I don't even think about the uniform. You can put them in, you can put them in green if we're winning. So yeah, I, I, I'm not, 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 I'm not a huge fan, but I'm not, I'm also not, um, not in love with them either. You are going to make so many friends on the Ole Miss Spirit Message Board. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett, Tuton Race, coming up on the Modern Woman phone line shortly. Let's play a little trending or ending. <laughs> That's, that's what we're dealing with here, and I'm sick of it. <laughs> uh, 
Trending or ending is a very simple concept. The trend lines, the things that we have followed throughout fall camp, whether or not they will continue or they will end come Florida on Saturday. And the very first one for you, Bradley Sal, trending, Matt Corral throughout the course of fall camp has had a stranglehold on the starting Ole Miss quarterback position. About two weeks ago, I've said it before, told the story, but those that might not know, Matt Corral, John Rice Plumley called into Jeff Levy's office and effectively they were told that Matt Corral was going to take the lion's share of the first team reps moving forward. They were getting close to Florida. In essence, he was going to be the quarterback. So, after Florida, will that continue to trend Matt Corral and his stranglehold on this quarterback position, or could you see it come to an end? I can see it coming to an end. Uh, I, I can. I, um, I mean, I, I think that John Rice is a gamer. I really do. And um, the, the fact that they're playing Florida the first game, there's really nowhere else to run or hide. So we'll know pretty pretty quickly. I mean, they'll either they'll either get exposed or they'll get exposure. So um, I. I think if something does happen this first game, it'll be um, be where somebody shows up because we're going to be facing a legit opponent, and it's not like you're opening up with you know a smaller school where everybody looks good. So I could see that ending. Trending or ending, Henry Parrish is listed as the number two running back behind Jerion Ely. Snoop Connor, the number three, something that was surprising to both you and me when we recorded on Tuesday. Do you see it continuing or ending on Saturday? I see that continuing, and this is why. And this may be surprising because I'm, I'm as surprised as anybody that Snoop Connors listed number three. But when a new coach comes in and he has his guy, he's going to get the benefit of the doubt as somebody they recruited, and they're going to want him to be successful. So um, I could see that 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 going forward. See, that's something that cannot be lost when you're talking about a first-year staff. Guys that you're used to seeing – or you expected to see beat on offense or defense in a new system under a new coach, there are casualties. Not to say that Snoop Connor is going to be a casualty. Both you and I think he's going to play on Sundays. But in this offense, and Henry Parrish was their chosen running back in the 2020 class, I could see continuing too. Especially if Ole Miss has success with Jeff Levy's UCF spread ISO offense that we expect to see. Henry Parrish fits that pretty well. Not to say that Snoop doesn't, but where are the carries going to come from? There's only one football. How can you keep three running backs, honestly keep three running backs involved, actively involved in helping your offense? Yeah, and this and this kid's supposed to be really fast too. And, I, and my thought is they're going to try to get as much speed out there as possible for, for try to get as many home run plays as they can. So, I mean, from, from everything I've heard, this kid's blazing speed. So that's, that, that's something they're going to want on the field. Trending or ending, Elijah Moore has been basically a one-man show at wide receiver for the last year and a half. We've been waiting on Jonathan Mingo, Demarcus Gregory, you name it, Dennis Jackson, we've been waiting. Dontario Drummond, do you see trending or ending Elijah Moore being the number one far-and-away option for Ole Miss as far as pass catchers on this roster? That's ending for sure. I think I think Elijah is he is the number one receiver and he's a he's a very talented receiver. But this offense is going to be schematically it's not even be close to what we were running last year. And I think a lot of last year had to do with the fact that what we were running um, schematically. So it looked like our receivers weren't as good as they were, as they could be. But I think that's ending. I think I think they're going to spread this ball around a lot. And I think that um, these guys are going to have to step up just from the fact of the scheme we're going to be running. I think it's going to be a heavy pass and. I think there will be some open guys out there this year. I think we'll see a different story, or I hope so. One of the most obvious and glaring weaknesses for Ole Miss entering Florida is the defensive line. We don't know 
if they're going to be able to generate enough pressure to help their linebackers, to help their secondary and not give up big pass plays, big chunk plays to Kyle Trask and that dynamic Florida offense that runs hardcore quarterback powers. But really, they're going to spread it out with Dan Mullen and they're going to throw it because Kyle Trask is very accurate as a quarterback. So in trying to address their biggest need, Ryder Anderson, who we all agree is a pretty good player, but is being treated as a known commodity, even though he doesn't have a very long resume. He's been moved from defensive end to defensive tackle, listed at defensive tackle, though he's 275 pounds beside KD Hill. So trending or ending Ryder Anderson as a starting defensive tackle? Uh, I mean, I think that's going to be trending. I mean, I, I just think it's, it's what they're doing. What it looks like they're doing to me is I don't think there's a ton of depth there. And that's obvious. And I think they're saying, you know what, I'm going to find my four or five best defensive linemen and I'm going to put them out there and I'm, I'm going to assume that they're going to win more than, than, than the other guy will. So I think there we have some depth issues, um, but you know, I would love to be proven wrong. I just haven't seen enough to know what's behind them and, and um, you know, what's coming up. So I can see that, that trending for a little while until we can kind of sure up that, that part, that position. How does Ryder hold up and not be the weakest link because he's kind of playing out of position and he's undersized? Because offensive linemen, when y'all see a guy like that, and he's huge. I mean, Ryder's 6'6", but he's 275 pounds. Leverage is so mm-hmm. important in the trenches. How can he hold up and how can he not allow himself to be that glaring weakness in the middle? Well, I think I think that they're going to have to move a lot. I mean, I've played defenses before where you have some undersized guys out there, but where those guys can benefit is moving and stunting and, um, you know, basically not staying in the same spot and also having a little bit quicker get off. Sometimes those guys are hard to block. I mean, you can double team them well, but if you get some good movement, some good line stunts and stuff that those guys can actually be, be tough to block at times. So I see, I see this defensive staff. If, if I'm looking at what we have, I'm thinking, Hey, we're going to give some, some good movement, some good looks, some good exotic looks. So that that seems to be what they're trying to do. They're just going to put their best guys out there and, and take their chances with them, no matter no matter what the size is. The entire offense, it seems, is built around Jerryon Ely. He's going to play on Sundays. Trending or ending, Jerryon Ely continuing to emerge as one of the very best backs in the SEC. We'll get right back to Bradley Sal in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Celebrate, Ole Miss football! It's here. We made it. We made it. Yeah, the season looks a little different, but some normalcy has returned. Now's as good a time as any then to find your next perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Think about it. Riding around in your new Jeep Gladiator, your Ole Miss car flag flying on your way to see the Rebels play, can you believe it, in style. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford has you covered, and no, you don't have to worry about COVID-19. They're open for all of your vehicle needs, taking extra precautions to ensure your car buying process is as seamless and safe as possible. Even better, they're offering customers the opportunity to purchase a vehicle completely over the phone or the internet with a delivery to your home. You pick out the vehicle you like, simply contact them by phone, email, through the website, and they'll prepare the paperwork, review it with you on the phone, and bring it and your vehicle to your home to finalize. So what are you waiting for? Why not? Why not now? Give them a call. 662-638-0044. That's 662-638-0044. Visit them online at alansamuelsoxford.com or see them in person. Socially distanced, of course, at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Let's be friends. 
I think yeah, I think that's trending. Um, I, I don't think it's a sure thing for Sunday, like, like, like you think, but I think that um, I think for sure, if it, based off of what he did last year, um, <laughs> yeah, he's pretty impressive as a freshman. So we'll, I'd like to see that jump again, um, you know, this year, and and then I'll I'll be able to judge more after this year what what my what my wholeheartedly thought is on him. But but yeah, he's he's setting up to be one of one of the guys in SEC. That's that, that that's that dude. What's your hesitation in in believing in him as an NFL back? I just think size. I think I think his size is gonna. I mean, he he can do it certainly, but but what what kind of what kind of NFL back will he be? You know, what will he be a you know every down back? Will he be a you know? They, they, there's there's there could be you know some role issues there with with how with his size. I'm surprised by this because you were bullish on Scotty Phillips, but not so much on Jerry on Ely. No, I, I think Jer- I think Jerron's great. I, I just think Scotty really really fits that number three back in the NFL. I mean, there's there's a million Scotty Phillips in the NFL. That's that's the number three back. You know, the bigger guy that that you know can can block a little bit, can kind of kind of add some some juice in that third spot. So he he was a sure thing because I, I knew what I knew. He's a, he's a number two or three guy in the NFL. Jerron, I, I just don't know. I mean, I have to see him this year. He's um he's got crazy speed, good talent, but I mean sometimes. Sometimes college spread out backs don't necessarily transition to the NFL quite like like many would think. See, I think a good comp for him or somebody to follow if you're trying to gauge what he could be at the next level is Cam Akers. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I can see that. Um, we'll see we'll see what Cam does the next level. I mean, he's 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 a good number two back. All right, trending or ending on Wednesday preseason SEC media poll. All SEC teams were announced. Number one in the East was Florida, who Ole Miss plays on Saturday. Number two, Georgia. Three, Tennessee. Four, Kentucky. Five, South Carolina. Six, Missouri. Seven, Vanderbilt. In the West, number one, unsurprisingly, Alabama. Number two, LSU, which is kind of surprising when you think of how many kids have opted out, and that team could be in for a significant fall. Auburn, number three. Texas A&M, number four. Tied for fifth, Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And then seventh, Arkansas. Trending or ending – by the end of 2020, Ole Miss finishing tied for fifth or better in the SEC. I can see Ole Miss surprising this year a little bit, um, you know, especially especially with some of the talent they have on offense and and just, just kind of the unknown going into this. So I think right in the middle. I mean, I think I think right in the middle of the pack. That's what I'm saying. Just looking at it on paper. I mean, I may I may tell you something different next week. I'm going to watch this game this weekend, and um, you know, we're going against a really good team to start, who I think is a contender. So we'll we'll see where we stack it right away. Alabama received 77 votes to be SEC champion. Georgia and LSU both received seven. Florida received five. This team is good that they're facing on Saturday. I agree. Pretty good team. But hey, look at you look at Alabama. They're, they're quarterback. I mean, all these teams are breaking in new quarterbacks that are unproven. I mean, you don't – I mean, yeah, they have a lot of talent on their team. They're going to be a good football team. But are they going to be like they were in the past? I don't, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't think so. I really don't. And you got LSU starting Miles Brenham, who's a Saint. I think he's a Saint Stanislaus guy. Um, and I mean, this is fourth or fifth year or whatever. You know, he's been there a while. So I mean, I don't think they're sure in. I mean, I think they're going to be. You know, I think we're going to be able to compete with them. I really do. If I could give you Miles Brennan or Matt Corral, who are you taking? I'm taking Corral for sure. <laughs> Why? That's that. That's. I, I'm not even. I mean, I, I just. I, I I watch Brennan because you know, coming out or whatever. Um, cause my, my cousin was a head coach going against him all the time. And I, 
wasn't wasn't overly impressed. I mean, I mean, not not saying he's. I mean, he's surrounded by talent, so he should look better than 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 what he, what you know Corral will. But I mean, I don't think he's. I don't think he's just. This is the high end starter. I really don't. All right, trending or ending? Last one. The spread continues to move. Florida at last check minus fourteen at Ole Miss. So where do you think that trends or ends on Saturday? I think that ends solely because Florida has no clue what we're going to do. I mean, it's going to take them till half to kind of figure us. I mean, maybe longer than that to kind of figure out what we're doing. I think that um, I think this game's going to be tighter than people think. I really do. Man, when you look at these lines, Georgia minus twenty five at Arkansas, Alabama minus twenty two at Missouri, Florida minus fourteen at Ole Miss, Tennessee minus three at South Carolina, Kentucky at Auburn minus ten, Mississippi State at LSU minus sixteen, Vanderbilt at Texas A and M minus thirty two. Hammer the dogs. Hammer, <laughs> hammer, hammer the underdogs this week. That's my that's my only advice for that. How does Vegas even set lines when we don't know anything about most of these teams? We think we do. But COVID has turned all of this on its head. We, we don't truly know. I mean, I, I don't know how Vegas does it, but they got to know more than us. Ole Miss, the third closest team to pulling an upset. So South Carolina is given the best odds at pulling the upset over Tennessee. Then Auburn and Kentucky. Kentucky pulling an upset at Auburn, minus 10. And then it's Ole Miss and Florida. So in that respect, Vegas believes Ole Miss has the third best chance of pulling off an upset, which sounds about right. I just – I'm worried about the defense – those worries have not subsided, and the fact that the NCAA and the SEC have played games with Otis Reese and Dean Leonard only exacerbates those worries. Yeah, I agree. Free, man, we got to free Otis, man. We got to get him playing. I, um, I, I, w- I would like for him to get out there. It was pretty blitzing what he released on Twitter. Yeah, I saw that. It's um, it's unfortunate. I hope it's um, it's unfortunate he went through that. If 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 that is in fact what happened, so. Um, yeah, hopefully all that all that gets taken care of, and um, you know, at the end of the day, man, the the kid transferred for a reason, and uh, whatever makes him happy is is whatever makes him happy. You know, if he he should be able to play. I mean, there's been multiple other waivers given out. Let's let's let the kid play football, man. I mean, it's already been a a crazy year with his virus and stuff. There's no reason why the kid shouldn't be taking the field in the uniform this weekend. Every kid is effectively being given a free year, except for those that won't get their waivers. They're the ones that are being punished, the only ones being punished. Where do you stand in general about kids being able to transfer? Because there's been so much talk in all sports about a one-time transfer that will eventually go through, maybe next year, maybe as early as January. I would assume you're a pro player in that respect, but where really do you stand? Yeah, I mean, honestly, originally, I don't really like the transfer that much. I'm I'm more in the line of, hey, let's stick it out and let's let's compete and see what, um, you know, where where we can stack up and um, you know that that's where I've always stood on it. But hey, but if, if the rules are what they are right now, if they're letting kids transfer and get waivers and stuff, that should be what what's going on. Me traditionally, I like I like the fact of hey, staying, let's compete. Like I feel like it's it's really common now for kids to get there not win the starting job and just want to get out of town rather than sticking around and, hey, let, let me get better and actually beat this kid out. I feel like that's not as common now. But the rules are what they are now. If, if, that's, if that's what we're going to do, let's, let's do it and let's let all people you know, participate in it. Not all kids grew up an Ole Miss fan, worked their ass off to lose a bunch of weight, went to Ole Miss, earned a starting job, had an eight-year NFL career. So if you want to leave late, that's my opinion. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. Yeah. That's where I'm at. All right, before we get to Tuton Reyes, give me the final score. I think we're going to drop it. I think I think we're going to drop it, but I think it's going to be close. I got I got 
Yeah, that's pretty good. That's about right. Yeah, that's about right. Twenty four thirty five. I think. Right. I think Florida gets about. I, th- I think it's close for most of the day. I really right. do. He's Bradley South, former Ole Miss offensive lineman. Thanks, man. We got to get to Tuton Reyes. We'll talk soon. Let's do it. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett. That's Bradley Sal going now to the Modern Woman phone line to speak to Tuton Reyes, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, 10-year NFL vet. If you haven't already, subscribe, review Talk of Champions in iTunes. And when you do, leave a five-star review. doesn't matter what you say as long as it's five stars. I write for the Ole Miss Spirit, omspirit.com, and affiliate 247 Sports. Before we jump to Tuton, let's hear from BNA Bank and Cheney's Pharmacy. Reason number 12 to bank at BNA. We are the bank for Northeast Mississippi. We have one home, Northeast Mississippi. Seeing this local Northeast Mississippi economy thrive and helping the people of our area with their borrowing needs is our only focus. From buying a home to starting your own business, we are the team of local lenders standing ready to make your dreams a reality. BNA Bank. We are the bank of Northeast Mississippi. Member FDIC. An equal housing lender. Believe it, the return of Ole Miss football has arrived. The Rebels are playing. Really, it's happening. But as exciting a time as it is, make sure you're staying safe. And that includes trusting that your pharmacy has you taken care of. Well, there's only one pharmacy in Oxford, Mississippi that can do just that. Cheney's Pharmacy, a locally owned pharmacy that's been in Oxford for over 40 years. As red and blue as the Rebels themselves. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there. Hands down, it's not close. So give Cheney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can visit them online at cheneyspharmacy.com. Stay safe. Enjoy some football. And make sure your pharmacy is one you can trust. Cheney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. The Modern Woodman Phone Line. Cool, we'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop. Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in Rebel Sports. Modern Woodman, let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. Going now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to Tuton Reyes, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, 10-year NFL vet. You should know the history by now. Drafted by the Saints. Play for the Panthers, the Bills, the Jags, the Giants, the Texans. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm well, man. How's it going, Ben? Good to talk to you, bro. Man, I'm good. Thanks for coming on. We were catching up before we started recording, and I told the story, but I got to tell it now. And forgive me, I'll be a little long-winded, but before the relationship to Ole Miss changed and it became a job, young Ben was a massive, massive Ole Miss fan, and I would get the media guys that my dad would receive in July, August, study those things front to back and as a former young not so good offensive lineman Tuton Reyes was one of the very first names I learned one of the very first careers I followed you're up there on the wall right beside Deuce McAllister and uh you know Deuce is a good friend now and, and it's a thrill man it's a thrill to have you on because like I said fan favorite especially for me and to meet the rebels out there on the field you'd walk out there and all y'all be gathered around I'd head for you first man so I appreciate you coming on dude and catching up Oh, man, I appreciate it. That's amazing. That's amazing. You're making me feel old now, bro. I know. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. I tell that story as a 34-year-old, 
And I'm like, I wonder if two time feels a little bit old right now. But hey, look, man, oh, man. the passage of time is beautiful. And your Ole Miss career, it was sweet, man. I mean, if you look back at it, 25 starts, 24 in a row at left tackle during your final two seasons, back-to-back Independence Bowl wins. And, and to me, two of the most memorable bowl wins for Ole Miss, you think about beating Oklahoma with the Les Binkley kick, and that was the last loss that Oklahoma suffered before going on and being undefeated, winning a national championship. Um, David Cutcliffe's first game after Tommy Tuberville left in the middle of the night so when you look back at Ole Miss and you think about Ole Miss all these years later, is that your favorite moment? What's your favorite moment when you think of Ole Miss? I had to go back to the first time we had the LSU uh, in a while down there in Baton Rouge. I think that was 97, maybe. Yeah. I think that was a big one. Um, obviously, all the Egg Bowl games, the, the big fight down there. We, we talked about Deuce when. Dude's laid out. I think it was a recruit down there in Starkville. <laughs> so that was, that, that was a, on Thanksgiving night. That was a, that was a good one. But the bowl games, definitely, man. Um, I think that that bowl game against Oklahoma, that that was uh, the Independence Bowl. That was crazy because it was the last game of the century. The whole Y2K thing. So everybody That's thought right. that the phones were going to cut off. And I know some of the younger Rebel fans and, and Rebel Nation, they're not going to remember this but they you know thought the phones and the, and the computers everything was going to cut off so it was kind of cool to, to get the last victory of the 90s uh of the 1900s and, and of the 90s and then also as you said Oklahoma went on and, and went undefeated for like the next year and a half or something like that and won a national championship so that was definitely a dope game man but just all the memories at that time coming off of probation actually committing to Ole Miss while uh Ole Miss was under you know under probation and everything and mm-hmm. just buying into the program back then and all the relationships that I made over the years with the guys and you know still talking to to fellas just about every other day I speak with somebody from for back then when we were playing so it's dope between Todd Wade, Terrence Metcalf, obviously my man Derek Burgess, uh Kamon Fisher, Quincy Washington, dudes from time to time. I spoke to Eli not too long ago. So, you know, just, just all the guys that that uh, I played with, we shared some some great times as teenagers, as young men growing up. And then uh, several of us, of us made it to the NFL too. So, you know, real, real amazing times though. Man. It's really weird the older you get, the stuff you remember from when you were a kid. And one of the things I remember outside of obviously – Tuton Reyes, the name coming from Brooklyn to Mississippi, and I want to get into that in a second. But Kamon Fisher wearing eighty four, that was another one to me. Yeah, and I always remember Kamon, <laughs> man. I never understood it, but I thought it was so dope him wearing eighty four as a defensive tackle. Yeah, I would tell you the funny story about that. So, so Kamon, I, I want to say he came in as a tight end. Um, yeah, and, and the funny thing, I actually moved. I came in as a tight end as well, but Coach Nall, uh, offensive line coach, great, great great mentor of mine, man. And um, I think Chris May was the center and it was 95, 96, something like that. We got there. Had to be 96. And then Chris May, I want to say, broke his hand. So they took some guys that were athletic, but I guess a larger stature, and they want to see them, uh, see us snap the ball to see if we could actually snap the ball. And um, I'm like, all right, I, I figure it's not too bad. I played tight end. I, I hated offensive linemen because in high school, when I would score touchdowns, offensive linemen would get called for holding. <laughs> yeah. and, like, and, they, and the play would get called back, so I never wanted to play offensive line. But we go over there, Quincy Washington is like, 
man, too, man, you better not snap that ball, right? I'm like, why not? He's like, because if you snap the ball, it's going to move you to O-line. I'm like, nah, it ain't going to move you to O-line, whatever. <laughs> Kamon said the same thing. So Quincy goes over there with Coach Nall, throws the ball through his leg. Kamon does the same thing, throws the ball through his leg. I snap the ball straight up to the quarterback, and I do it a few times. But Coach Nall's like, let me see you do that again. So I do it a couple more times. Man, before you know it, man, him and, and Coach Penunzio, they got me over there taking, uh, sitting in the offensive line meeting rooms and all of this stuff, my number change and all of that. So, come on, kept the 84 move to defensive line. Uh, I wound up going from, like, 83 to 76. But, you know, I can't complain. They they literally sat there and told me that, hey, you either have an opportunity. Drew it on the chalkboard. So, you have an opportunity to play tight end here. But now we got Rufus French. You're not going to beat out Chris Mangum. They said you can be a decent tight end, get some reps, so you can move the offensive line and, and make a lot of money one day. And they drew a dollar sign on the board, and they circled it. Coach Venezio did. And I was like, man, I tell you what, if this don't work, I'm coming back for all of y'all. <laughs> <laughs> it worked out, though, man. So I got nothing but love for those guys. They, uh, they really directed my, my, my life as a young man. So I always send love to Coach P, Coach Nah, and everybody else that was part of that transition. Well, that's what I was going to say, man. It worked out. And that dollar sign, money is the greatest motivator, right? Especially in sports. And so right. you, you see that dollar sign, you know – um, you got a chance. It's funny that you bring up offensive linemen and the um, rather understated appreciation that there is for offensive linemen because you're absolutely right. Everybody else gets the glory. You don't ever get touchdowns. Mm-hmm. And that hit home because I remember my senior year of high school, I wasn't a good offensive lineman, but my senior year, there was a fumble in the end zone. The ball's right in front of me, and I'll be damned if the guard that played next to me, I was the center, didn't dive on it before me. That was my chance. And that, that's, that's what I'm that's saying. That's the glory, man. Yeah. That's the story you can tell a grandkid. Yeah. <laughs> and I was too slow. I mean, that's the story of my career. I was always too slow. I wanted to be a tight end. No, bro, you can't be a tight end when you're running like a mid-fives, man. That's just not going to ever happen. But uh, <laughs> it's really fascinating your recruitment, man. Like I mentioned, you come from Brooklyn. How did you get from Brooklyn to Mississippi? Who recruited you? Who was all involved there? Why was Mississippi, why was Ole Miss a draw for you, especially considering the circumstances Again, Ole Miss being under probation at the time, Tommy Tuberville taking over in what was, without a doubt, one of the mm-hmm. toughest times for Ole Miss. Oh, yeah, man. So what happened was I was um, <clears throat> I was born in Brooklyn. Um, I think I was around 11 years old, and my mother moved to uh, right outside of Atlanta. She moved to Decatur, Georgia. And when I would wake up on Saturday mornings, most kids would be outside playing or, or watching you know, cartoons or what have you. I found Jefferson Pilot Sports. And I was like, damn, I love football. Wow. So I would watch I would watch football from like 10, 11 in the morning all afternoon. And I would see back then Tennessee had the check-in end zone. I would see Ole Miss playing with the powder blue helmets. Um, I would see Alabama, Florida, the Swamp. All, I was like, this is football. This is what it's supposed to be like because it wasn't like that in New York. Back in New York, it was straight basketball and baseball. Those were the dominant sports, right? So we, we lived in Decatur literally three three months, maybe. My mother didn't like it. We moved back to New York. So then I moved to Queens with the high school and middle school in Queens and um, started playing ball. So I'm playing tight end. And then John Lovett came up there. He was actually at Maine at the time. And back then, this is the 90s, again, dating myself. Maine used to run this run and shoot offense, kind of like the Houston Oilers did with Warren Moon back in the yeah, day. Yeah. You know, four wide receivers, maybe a big tight end. So I was a tight end that could actually split out, play wide receiver. And um, he was recruiting me from Maine, but then he got the job at Ole Miss. I think he was a secondary coach back then. So he continued to recruit me, um, you know, thought I was an athlete, came to a couple of games, came to a basketball game, saw me play basketball and everything. And um, I came down here with my, my guy, Lishman Alexander, another guy from New York, 
Um, he played running back for the Rebels for maybe a year, and then uh, unfortunately things didn't go his way. But we said, you know what, we played uh, Pop wanted together, high school ball together. We said if we can continue this going, we're going to play college ball together and hopefully go to the pros. You know, it was just a pipe dream for some two kids from New York. But uh, we both signed to Ole Miss. Unfortunately, he went to JUCO first. Uh, I came down in 95, and, and yeah, man, I did my recruiting trip. We just knew we wanted to play together. And, again, it kind of went back to playing in the SEC, to what I saw a few years ago when I moved to Decatur. So I'm like, yeah, if I could play in the SEC against these these teams and, 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 and really put some some good film together, I may have a shot to go to the NFL. So literally, that was my dream as a kid. So I put this whole plan together, you know, North Pole to South Pole is what I call it, going from Southside Jamaica, Queens, uh, to Oxford, Mississippi. And, um, you know, it worked out. Again, a beautiful time at Ole Miss, was able to come down and, and had nothing but love for the Ole Miss family from, from the 90s and, and to this day. You know, I'm doing this interview with, with you right now, so it just shows how much love that I continue to get. My son Ty went there for a few years and graduated last year or earlier this year. So, you know, nothing but love, and, and it all worked out. It's such an adjustment, though, man, to think – because I love New York. My brother lived there for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. To think of mm-hmm. being born and raised there, even if you spent a few months in Georgia, to then uproot yourself and move to Oxford, Mississippi. Yeah. I mean, God, man, just culturally everything. Yeah. It had to be such a drastic change for you. Oh, yeah, definitely a culture shock. And, and I would have never thought prior to um, seeing football in the South, you know, watching football, knowing the SEC was the dominant conference even back then, and having a dream of making it to the NFL, I would have never thought that my journey would have taken me through Oxford, Mississippi, and playing for the Old Miss Rebels, but it did. It was a culture shock. I, I tell people all the time, it's like New York, even as a high school kid, if you're going out to party or hang out or whatever, you know, you start partying 11 to 12 o'clock at night. Back then, everything shut down at 11, 12 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean, bro? So it was, it was kind of a culture shock, you know what I mean? Simple things like walking on campus, and, and, you know, going through the grove before you go to campus in New York, nobody speaks to, to, to each other as you're walking in the street. It's, just like, it's like a rat race. Everybody's just going to where they have to get to. If somebody says, hey, or what's up in New York, you're like, what's up? Like, you know, what's going on? What do you want? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. down here, people, old Miss was like, hey, what's up? I'm like, what's up? And they're like, nah, I'm saying hello. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. like oh, okay, you know, you're not used to people speaking to you. So Holding the door like, open for you check. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was a whole adjustment, man. But again, it it was dope, and it actually helped me, um, it helped me see a whole different demographic of people in the world, and and realize that you know what what my bubble was in Southside Jamaica, Queens, and Brooklyn, growing up, uh, predominantly around um, around black people and Hispanic people, um, that was not the totality of the world. So you know, so it was a whole different demographic in Ole Miss. Um, I instantly became understood what a minority was you know what i mean but then again it's, i still i can't say it enough i received so much love that i still was i was treated as a human being so that was amazing for me and and that's why i, I really have no regrets about the decision i made to attend Ole miss see that's the thing that i think Ole miss fights even to this day i mean because of its past mm-hmm. Ole miss is always viewed or treated in a certain way and i think sinquez golson former Ole miss cornerback said it best if you don't want to go to Ole Miss, don't visit. Because once you visit, once you get past all of the noise and all the bad things that you hear and you get here, you realize how progressive of a place Ole Miss has become and how far it's come mm-hmm. in trying to distance itself from what was a past it's not proud of. Ole Miss now, 
I think, a good example of progress. And, and that's something that this university, these people in town, just they've all tried to put forth a valiant effort in making that happen and making players black, white, brown, doesn't matter, feel welcome. Well, I think what it is is people have a, a preconceived notion of anything that they're about to encounter or get into prior to them encountering or getting into it, right? So even when I was saying that I want to go to Ole Miss and, and back in 1995, I would have people saying things, some really ignorant things like don't get lynched and, you know, and don't be careful of this. And obviously because of what the history was in, in, in Mississippi, right? Um, I didn't know anything about that because I'm from New York. And again, I was in my own bubble. So as I started to do the research, uh, you know, coming on campus, you would see the Confederate flags back then. But the, the trans, to your point, the progression, Coach Tuberville was like, nah, we can't recruit uh, black athletes when they come on campus. And the first thing they see on Frat Row is a, is a, a Confederate flag. So he had that taken down. He was part of the mission to take that down back then. I think it was uh, Chancellor as well. Um, Excuse me. So now, fast forward, you, you, you really, I think you have to deal with people how they deal with you, right? So if you have a preconceived notion and you go into uh, an interview, you go into uh, any kind of interaction and you have this mindset that something negative is going to happen or your experience is going to be negative, you're going to be approaching it from that angle. But if you actually take it for face value, take it for what it's worth, and then learn about the environment you're in, learn about the people that you're in and base your experiences or your feelings off of that, then that'll tell you how to navigate through the remainder of your days, right? I didn't have any issues at Ole Miss when I came down here. You know what I mean? And if there was, it may have been a one-off with a certain person. That ain't adjust my thinking about the university as a whole or about Mississippi as a whole. It, it, it made me feel about that one individual that I had in the action with. You know what I'm saying? So I think as a young man or young woman that that that's um thinking about coming to Ole Miss they may not have that mindset and that's the thing you have to be knowledgeable enough to know you know what this interaction or or, or the history doesn't necessarily say what the future is gonna hold you know behold I should say so again if if, if I had those issues my son went there and just graduated this year Ty you know I went to vouch for him to go to Ole Miss you know what I mean? I wouldn't sit there and do these interviews. I wouldn't um, root for the Rebels when they when they go out and play. I still talk to some of the guys that I do know through time. You know, but I, again, I had nothing but positive experiences. So I'm basing it off of my experiences. Somebody else has a negative experience, okay, you deal with that with the person that you had a negative experience about. You know, that doesn't represent the university as a whole, and it hasn't for me. It's well said. And kind of getting back to football here, you played with some characters. We talked about Deuce. We talked about Eli. I got a couple questions about them. But first, Deuce, here's the big question. Deuce is a friend. He's been on this podcast countless times. Love the guy to death. His take on that fight in the Egg Bowl. <laughs> it's as if it was Jon Snow in Game of Thrones against, you know, everybody, <laughs> right? He was by himself, taking on everybody. What was the fight? And when you found out that Deuce is out there scrapping, because I think just special teamers for Ole Miss at the time, did everybody just run yeah. out of the tunnel ready to go? We'll get right back to Tuton Reyes, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, 10-year NFL vet, in this edition of Talk of Champions, after I tell you briefly about Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of this podcast and the one that brings you the Modern Woodman phone line. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? 
Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits, such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook, or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. The story is so daggone funny, man. So we we obviously is a big rivalry with Mississippi State, right? We're down there in Starville, Thanksgiving. And um, to your point, the special, I think the special teams were out there first and maybe yep. some of the receivers or something like that. So um, we didn't – the big fellas, the linemen, the, the linebackers, we didn't know what was going on at first because we were the last group to go out. So we still in the locker room. So back then, there's this coach, Benji Pierce. He's our strength coach, man. This is so funny. So he's out there typically getting the guys ready to, to go on the field, sending the position groups out. And then after a while, he comes in. He has this high-pitched voice. So he comes back in the locker room yelling, hey, get out, get, get your butts out there. These guys fight. He's like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? Strap up, let's go. They're fighting, goddamn, let's go. So we like, what, the, what did you talk about? He's like, get your ass outside now. So we go, just throw a helmet on and run out. And when I say it was a whole melee going on, and obviously Mississippi State being the home team, they had their bigger positions out first. So they had their D linemen. They had their linebackers out there ready. And we're running out, basically running into a war, like what's going on? You know, and you just see people swinging, helmets flying. You see, uh, if you look at that old tape, you see Tim Strickland running through the air doing a yep. flying karate kick at somebody. <laughs> Ronnie Hurd throwing somebody's helmet. Dude's laying somebody out. Corey, Corey Peterson running. Yes, Corey was running. <laughs> um, and Adam Bettis back then, he, he was throwing a couple of licks. It was so funny. But the big guys, we really, by the time we got in there, out there, it was, it was winding down and they were breaking up the fight. But Watching the video and seeing what happened, um, what happened was, and hearing John Avery talk about it, what happened was some of the big guys from um, Mississippi State were walking through the, the warm-up drills and where the yeah. running backs were stretching. So they kind of walked it. through with John. Yeah, you, and that's, that's like an unwritten rest. That's the ultimate sign of disrespect. If you see my group over here stretching and you're the opposing team, you walk around. So they literally came out. You know, walk through the group, bump John, start talking junk. John goes back and forth with somebody. They start fighting. Do starts fighting. Um, and then, again, they had their big guys out there. And to me, it was more like self defense. If you get, if you have, you know, twenty maroon jerseys coming at you, and there's only three of you, of course you're gonna be doing whatever you have to do to make sure you make it back to the locker room or defend yourself. You know. So I think some guy ran up to Deuce and was talking junk, and a bunch of guys was around him and. Deuce just hauled off on him. <laughs> well, it, Deuce knew. Deuce knew, I think, that they were gunning for him. They knew. They knew that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. So it, it's so funny Absolutely. to me that Deuce, rather than look out and say, okay, there's a numbers game here, he just backed into a corner and like yeah. a bulldog just said, screw it, I'm going. And he just started flinging, yeah. you know, hands everywhere. Yeah. And, that, and that's who he was. Like, he was he was real mild-mannered, you know what I mean? But he, he don't take junk for nobody. Tough, tough kid. I call him a kid. He's a little bit younger than me. Tough guy, man. He, he don't take junk for nobody. And um, <laughs> I just I just remember, and you know, I'm not to, not to laugh at the young man that kind of got, you know, 
got his face busted, but he ran up on Deuce and Deuce just wasn't having it and Deuce, Deuce gave him the business I mean, real quick. So I mean, come it. on, that's part of the deal. You know? That's part of the deal. John Avery used to tell us, John Avery used to tell us, hit a B before a B hit you. And that's what Deuce did. He hit somebody before they could hit him. So I, you know, I ain't mad at it. Eli was after you. I mean, he came along, but when you saw him for the first time, did you know? Did you know he was special? Oh, yeah. Definitely, definitely. And one story I remember of, of Eli's that year he came, <clears throat> his freshman year was my senior year. So Romero Miller was still getting uh, all the reps and everything. Uh, Romero did a fantastic job while we were there at Ole Miss. But I came back and I saw Eli during the, um, during the spring game. And I was training for the draft and everything, came back, and I saw Eli throw it about 75 yards in the air. And when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, this kid is going. He, he has what it takes. But prior to that, though, even Mr. Manning uh, and Cooper, who with the Ole Miss, Cooper used to tell us that, you know, even though Eli, I mean, excuse me, even though uh, Peyton was, was real good and, and obviously Archie did his thing, made it to the league, and Peyton was the first-round pick and everything, he said, Eli has what it takes to, to, to be the next one up. And we're kind of like, nah, have you seen what Peyton's been doing over the years? You know what I mean? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man. But Eli definitely did his thing, man. I had a brief opportunity to play with him when I was on the Giants briefly, and I think it was 09. So I'm just happy for his career and uh, what he's been able to do, what he's been able to represent. Obviously, model citizen, done, did everything the right way, won a couple of Super Bowls on the way. That, that don't hurt at all either. So I'm um, real, real happy for Eli, and he, he did what, exactly what he was supposed to do, which was win. Retired. You're going to have his number retired by Ole Miss. You think he's a Hall yeah. of Famer? Absolutely, hands down. Hands down. He retired from the league with, I think, he was maybe the top seven. No, he was at least seventh in the top five quarterback category. So that's passing yards, passing touchdowns, um, uh, reception, oh, not uh, completions, I should say. So several of the passing uh passing records, he was in the top at seven at least. Not to say he was seventh, but some he was top five. You know what I mean? So, and he had two Super Bowl rings. So, there's no question in mind that, yeah. that Eli is, is a Hall of Fame guy when it comes to the NFL. And anybody that says that just hasn't studied his career uh, long enough or is focusing more on the negative than they are the positive, because he definitely did his thing in New York with the Giants. I'm a Giants fan too, and I'm with the Ole Miss, so obviously I'm biased. Uh, knowing him as a young man, but still his body of work on the field, he definitely is a Hall of Famer. I don't understand the debate. You look in the Hall of Fame, how many guys won two Super Bowls in both times in both games with Super Bowl MVP. They don't win without his right. throws, and he's not in the Hall right. of Fame. I, I just, it, to me, it's not even a, a discussion. He's a Hall of Famer. But you bring up a really interesting point that you got to play with Eli in 2009 when you were with the Giants. The relationship with other Rebels, especially those that come behind you, the young guys that you maybe didn't play with, of course you're going to have a relationship with Deuce and John Avery, when they go to the Dolphins, the Saints, but those other guys that come up, is it the still same kind of fraternity, camaraderie with guys, even if you didn't play with them just because it's Ole Miss and they came from where you came from? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. I think, um, obviously, we we become the old guys, you know what I mean? And it's funny to see it, but I, I want to say my <clears throat> my generation, we were, at least to my knowledge, we were the first generation of, of Ole Miss Rebels that had so many people in the league at one time. You know, I started five offensive linemen, all went to the NFL, and our backup guy. So I was at left tackle. Uh, Terrence Metcalf, my brother, my roommate, he was at left guard. Uh, my senior year, this is, and Ben Claxton was at center. 
Um, T.J. Vincent was at right guard. Big Todd Wade was at right tackle. And then we had Shane Grice as a backup. So all, all five, uh, six of us went to the NFL, right? And then, of course, we had uh, Ronnie Hurd. He had he made it to the league. Uh, Kendrick Clancy. Stack. So all of us, yeah, Stackhouse, Deuce, obviously. Um, all of us made it to the league, you know, and Amiga Spearman. So we were the first group that really had so many people in the NFL at one time. And then it just kind of expanded and blew up from there. So now you see some of the younger guys that they may recognize us or more so when they come through Ole Miss through the hallways. Now, uh, Ole Miss is the, the, the equipment staff has done a tremendous job and everybody down there building out the, the, um, the indoor facility. And you see our names are up there. Our pictures are up there. Um, you know, it's almost like paying homage to some of the guys that came before them. So when they see us and they recognize us, then it's definitely all love. And, and obviously when we get a chance to come back and catch some games, you get a chance to talk to some of the guys that are there and, and put a bug in their ear, just wishing the best, giving a couple of uh, a couple of pointers, things that you see, maybe watching the game that they may not get. And it comes from a different perspective as it's a player that's been there and it's a player that's uh, been to where they want to get to. So, you know, it's always love when, when you see some of the younger guys that um, – and with social media now, everybody's connected. So yeah. it's, it's always love when you talk to some of the younger guys that, that are Rebels now. So there's pride when you see DK Metcalf, AJ Brown doing their thing. Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Yo, DK, my nephew, man. So he, he, uh, Terrence, oh, that's right, that's right. Yeah, said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Terrence, Terrence was my roommate, and um, you know, and Ty, we had him about the same time. So Ty, Ty, and DK used to, you know, make noise in the dorm room back in the days and everything. Actually, DK was on our podcast on uh, the Behind the Mask, Behind the Mask podcast with Keel Spice and I not too long ago. He did a great interview, so definitely appreciate that. Uh, Pat Willis, he came after us, but he's still, he's, he's become a friend. He's been on the podcast as well. So definitely the younger guys that are coming up always show love to the older guys that have been there and paved the way. Well, you mentioned all the talent you had. Tubb was really responsible for that because, again, coming off of probation, the recruiting he had to do, he, he did miracle work in many ways in terms of bringing talent yeah. to Oxford. So I got to ask you before we get out of here, when he left, what was your response to it? Well, I'm I'm vocal about this, man. I've talked about it over the years. I think it was I think it was cowardly. You know what I mean? And and the reason I say that it was because of how it it all happened, right? So we heard the rumblings of it prior to the game, like literally before the game. I think uh, I guess it was the Mississippi State game. So right before the game, we started hearing rumblings about it, and I think we had like a little meeting prior to the game, and and Coach Nall again, our offensive line coach, was was talking to us, but the way he was talking and Coach Tubb were talking were like, it was a bit different in the, in the conversation. So it was like, all right, this may happen, but we still had a game to focus on. So after the game, again, the conversation was when you get older, it's going to be a time in your life where you got to do things what's best for your family. I love you. Da, da, da. It was almost like saying goodbye without saying goodbye. And this is Coach Nall, right? But we didn't hear anything from Coach Tubb because he said he ain't going nowhere. We didn't hear anything about that till the following morning on ESPN where they said he left at like two in the morning <laughs> and went to Auburn. Now he's going to be the coach of Auburn. So we were pissed. We like, bro, we, we came, we bought into what you, as young men, we bought into what you were selling. And for me, like I came from New York and, and from me vouching for Ole Miss, I got a lot of guys from the Northeast to come down here. The Derek Burgesses, Tyler Williams, you know what I'm saying? Uh, Andre Harrison. So a lot of us came down back then from the Northeast based off of Coach Tubb and what he was preaching. So for him to leave like that and not even have the, the, the I guess, the, the the comfort or whatever it might be to, to, to say, look, 
this is a business decision. This is why I'm leaving. To me, that was cowardly. I think he could have handled it better. But then again, I don't even know if coaches do that now. So maybe that's just the way things, you know, how it operates. But I think he could have handled it better. And the worst way for us to hear about it, if that that bitter taste was to see see it on ESPN the following morning. And now he's about to be a senator, a United States senator. How about that? Oh, my God. I heard, <laughs> I heard about that. Oh. It was funny. I went to the... I went to the Auburn game last year uh, with the Keo Spike down at Auburn, and Coach Tubb was actually in one of the booths next to us. And Tequila was like, man, you want to go over there and talk to him? I was like, nah, he got it. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I, was like, I was like, nah, I'm all right, man. I'm going to chill where I'm at. But, you know, it ain't, it ain't, it's no love loss, it's no hate game. Um, it, it just is what it is. You know what I mean? I, if he makes a senator for him personally, I'm, you know, happy for him, good for him. It's all good. It's, it's, he helped me get to where I wanted to go. So, again, there's never no love loss. There's no hate gain and like that. It just kind of is what it is. All right, last one. Are you going to watch the Florida game on Saturday? Yeah, I'm going to try to catch it, man. I got some running around to do. Definitely going to try to catch it. I want to see what uh, Coach Kiffin can do, man. He he obviously offensive mastermind, can develop talent, get young men to buy in, and can tr- turn a program around. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what he does. You know, Matt Corral has the arm for the Lane Kiffin type type offense and you want to get the ball down the field. Um, but then again, I was at the LSU game last year and I saw what Plumlee was able to do when he was out there. You know what I'm saying? He could do his thing with his with his feet. Um, Snoop Conn out there, Ely, home run waiting to happen. Um, I'm, I'm happy for Elijah Moore. It seems like he's going to be the next NWO member to take his talents to Sunday. Uh, but it's going to be a tough game. I'm not going to lie just because I think Florida has the experience up front on the offensive line. And our defensive line, while they have some talent, I don't know that they have the depth needed to to, to go into there and really uh, match up. So it'll be an interesting game. Obviously, I hope the, the Rebels come out and get that win. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to do my best to catch it, man. Definitely going to do my best to catch it. I want to see my young homie, Ryder Anderson, be healthy this year and do his thing because I think he's an incredible talent out there when he's healthy and get after the quarterback. Um, hopefully the Rebels can put some, some stuff together and start off the season right. He's Tuton Reyes, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, 10-year NFL vet, at Tuton Reyes on Twitter. He got his own podcast with Takeo Spikes behind the mask. Check that out wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for doing this, man. It was a thrill. I appreciate it. We'll do it again. Absolutely appreciate it. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.